Nintendo. Back with you another edition of the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. Trent and Biz talking Hawkeye football and a little basketball here with you, Iowa. The losing streak is over. Iowa gets it done 17-12 over the Wildcats. Biz, it wasn't pretty, but... You're going positive vibes only this week. Look at you. It's a Big Ten road win, Trent. you got, you got to celebrate any and all Big Ten road wins. Uh, if, if we'd have had this podcast uh, late Saturday night or any time on Sunday, it would have been anything but positive vibes. But uh, it, it's a win, Trent. There's some good things to take out of the win, so we're, we're going to focus on the positives. So let, let, let's talk the positives of a, a not-all-that-pretty win in Evanston. So. Well, you can try to be as positive as you are. I, I got plenty of negatives to get into, but we'll leave those aside for a moment and dig in here. Let's start first with... But we saw out of the quarterback, and of course, it wasn't the starter of the game. It's a guy that is listed as a starter this week, Alex Padilla. He was a guy that I wanted to see. I wanted to see a guy that could move around a little bit. This is not a new revelation I think anybody knows that's hurt us throughout the years. I never was the biggest Spencer Petras fan. I saw too many limitations to his game, but we saw Padilla and from what we saw in the limited mop-up duty that he had where, I mean, he's fallen over, he couldn't complete a pass, to the guy that went in there right away and delivered a couple of beauties, this was quite the performance, I thought, out of the backup. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the number one positive vibe that you come away with on, on Saturday is that Padilla looked like he's fully capable. Is he a great quarterback? Absolutely not. But is he uh, a... <laughs> Capable of beating the next three teams we have on our schedule, I think everybody would agree that, yes, he's capable of that. So he's got a quick release. He, he's got the ability to uh, extend plays. He stepped up in the pocket a few times. He, he seemed very decisive. Um, I, I'm not in any way trying to say he's Drew Tate, Trent, but he certainly has some Drew Tate vibes to him. He, he kind of has an air of confidence and, and you know that quick release, you know, Kind of, kind of reminds you a little bit of a young Drew Tate. So let's hope uh, his sophomore year ends uh, half as well as Drew Tate's sophomore year did. That would be great. Uh, culminating with the Big Ten Championship in Iowa. Well, as we're going positive here today, there is still a path. Need some help to get there. But, of course, it starts with uh, piling up victories for Iowa the rest of the way. His ability to move around, deliver some throws. And the thing that always bothered me, one of the many, was about, well, you know, Alex Padilla just doesn't have a stronger, strong enough arm in comparison to what Petrus is. Well, if they use Petrus's arm and they actually delivered the ball down the field and they had an offensive line that could block long enough to complete plays down the field, then that'd be an argument. But I was not running plays that is necessary. They don't run 20-yard outs and stop routes 18 yards down the field. That's not the Iowa offenses as currently constructed. He has adequate arm strength. That's enough there. That throw that he delivered early in the game, I think it was that first completion, that had enough velocity on it here. Well, what are we talking about here? Could he not throw the ball in the end zone at the end of the first half? Maybe that's the thing. I, mean, I don't know. But to say that he doesn't have the arm strength for Iowa's offense here, uh, slow down. It's just an argument that I never thought made a lick of sense. Well, Trent, if we weren't going positive vibes only today, I, I, I could go on a, a fun rant about the, the many, many ways we uh, screwed up the end of the first half and our – Absolutely atrocious clock management. But remember, Trent, today's positive vibes only. So, so we're not going to do that. And so, we'll, yeah, I, 
I think it was a man, you know, there was a 24-hour stretch there where I think that the media tried to manufacture that there was going to be a quarterback controversy. There is no quarterback controversy. He, he is the quarterback right now, and he's going to be the quarterback going forward. He's got an opportunity to, to take this position by the, you know, by the horns and, and, and take it going forward. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I like Spencer Petras. I thought he'd be better than he was this year, but the combination of the, the bad offensive line plus obviously the shoulder issue plus just his confidence seemed to be shot down the stretch here also. It, it's time. And Padilla, need, he deserves a shot. We'll see how it goes. And uh, hopefully uh, you know, a month from now we're, we're talking about uh, we really are making Drew Tate comparisons. Positives continue. The running game got going. They did it against the 14th-ranked defense against the run in the Big Ten. But they got going here. But you also saw a lot more of ISO blocks, just straight up blocking, not a lot of the zone scheme. It was a whole lot more hat on hat. We're going to go dives up the middle, those kind of plays. You saw a lot more of that. Run behind your All-American, I think makes a whole lot of sense. Also saw a lot more runs towards Kyler shot side of the football there. The running game, again, albeit against not a very good, in fact, a bad rush defense. But they got going and they did it in a different way. I thought that was good to see. Yeah, Goodson looked good. Um, I was baffled why he wasn't in in the last series of the game. But, again, positive vibes only, Trent. So, <laughs> um, you know, I thought the offensive line just looked better in general. Um, part of that's the opponent. I mean, you don't have the Wisconsin defensive front seven breathing down your neck. But uh, they controlled the line of scrimmage. They, they Are they a finished product? by Not by any means. But, you know, better than, better than it's been in a while and, you know, I agree with you. I like the scheme and the you know the, the ISO runs and, and kind of go, you know, focusing on our strengths, which is clearly uh, run, run behind uh, run behind the fullback and run behind our All American center. That makes a lot of sense. So run game got going. We'll see Minnesota much better defensively than what we saw last week out of Northwestern and all told Iowa still only put 17 on the board. They got the lead and put it on the lockbox. It wasn't pretty. And it got hairy there at the end, but thank goodness Marty just threw the ball up and Dane Belton made a great play. Sealed that one, got the victory, and ended the losing streak at two games. So, Biz, what else we got this week as we look back? You uh, you had Stat Boy go to work and take a look back as we now have our second quarterback of the year, Ferrets and two quarterbacks this season. What did you exactly have Stat Boy do? Well, I think you and I know there's been this is kind of the fourth time in the in the Ferentz era where we've we've dabbled in two quarterbacks. There's the 2001, 2008, and 2014 were the other years, and so I just had Statboy kind of pull up some information on on each of those years, and you know kind of look at what's the best way to do this because I think the thing you're going to find out when you look back at these three years is we never really made a clean switch in any of them. So I'm hoping. We've learned from past mistakes, and we have just ripped the Band-Aid off and decided this Padilla going forward. Because uh, as you'll see from looking back in the past, when we've tried to kind of uh, dip our toe into the two-quarterback two system, it never works. So go full bore is what this is going to tell us. So let's look back as we go back in time to 2001. Now, 20 years ago, Trent, the original quarterback controversy, you know, I kind of forgot, you know, that year as to how I had banks, you know, 
I went back and looked at each game. Early on in the year, first, first two uh, weak opponents, Banks played a decent amount. But then games three through six, Banks had a total of three passes in those those four games. So coaching staff Sal McCann's job to to lose um, by seven. He, he had started to struggle and wasn't playing very seven at home versus number six Michigan game where Banks came in, led us to two scoring drives early on, came back in in the third quarter in a, in a close game. And if you remember the play, four, third and two, Banks scrambles and inexplicably steps out of bounds three yards short because he didn't know where he was. And uh, from that point, staff uh, didn't trust him to play the game. A very angry Kinnick crowd. They spent a lot of that game booing at Kyle McCann. Um, and then the next week, we, we gave Banks his, his biggest opportunity of the year. He passed 23 times in a loss and, and, and did not play well. And then from that point on, he didn't play very much again. Down the stretch, games 10 through 12, he only had a total of three passes. So, uh, you know, it, it was a weird year. We, we used him a little bit, didn't use him a little bit. Uh, you know, it just it didn't work out very well, and, and honestly, it wasn't fair to Kyle McCann. Kyle McCann ended up being kind of the uh, the whipping boy for that year. But when you look at the stats, neither McCann or Banks that year were, were what you consider to be good quarterbacks. Brad Banks was was not a great quarterback that year. He was a uh, a work in progress, and you know, it was it the right way to handle it? Probably not. But uh, you know, it was. Like I said, hopefully we've learned from that year, and we don't we don't dabble with two quarterbacks because the old adage when you have two quarterbacks, you really have none. Probably applied that year. Yeah, absolutely. It was a frustrating year. It was a team that put up numbers that year too. Offensively, they were good. It was actually the defense that had some struggles at time throughout that season. You look at the losses. You mentioned that Michigan game and, and an incredible play out of Marquise Walker, one of the best plays I've ever seen in uh, Kinnick Stadium in 2001. Iowa lost that one 32-26, lost to Wisconsin 34-28. The defense was also a work in progress that year. The offense, most of the time, was at least good enough, but they were figuring things out. And I also do wonder, look at the way that since then Kirk has handled quarterbacks. It feels like he's got a lot of scar tissue. And I think the moments that you mentioned in that Michigan game the booings that we heard from the Kinnick crowd of McCann. He knew, A, that was unfair. And I just think he wants more than anything. He he just hates those spots. He doesn't want that kind of thing to happen again if he can help it in any direction. And this week, you know what had happened. If Peters was okay health-wise and he would trot out there for the first series, you know what the crowd would be doing if that was the case. Yeah, it wouldn't be pretty. And that's if that happens, that would be the uh... – the ultimate fu to our our fan base at this point because uh, <laughs> they certainly have given every indication that Padilla is starting this week and if they if they pull the rug out from under the fan base uh, <laughs> at the last minute uh, I'm not a fan of booing I think you know uh, uh, you and I very rarely if ever boo it's just not what we do and it's you know we can complain all we want but I'm not I'm not a big booer but that might be one situation where you and I may join in the booing <laughs> very well could be the case I boo official officials I do that quite a bit I'm fine doing that and uh did it a lot to my TV last night as a Bears fan uh, that's a quick aside all right biz from Ooh, there was, uh, yeah you you were justified in a couple of those last Ooh, that that was uh it's fun to be angry about Bears football though again that that's a, a fun pay, place to be after just that organization has beat me down for so many years. Let's go uh, from there to the next year. We had a two quarterback type system. At 2008, you know, I think the Stanzi Christensen drama, I think it's over the years, it's kind of gotten the story that, you know, Ricky Stanzi was a great quarterback and, and the 
the coaching staff held him back. Um, when you look at the, the stats from that year, that's really not the case. The first half of the year, both Stanzi and Christensen just were not very good quarterbacks. If you remember, this is this is the Sean Green year, great running game. Um, we go start off 3-0 and with, with both of them playing. Um, Stanzi plays the majority of the snaps against Iowa State. This is the ugly 17-5 to win with Andy Brodell punt return, but Stanzi was 5-14 for 14 against Iowa State. Uh, then we turn around and lose three in a row. We lose that pit with both of them playing. And then after that, we kind of handed the reins over to Stanzi, and, and Stanzi's first two games were losses. You know, we, we lost at home versus Northwestern and then at Michigan State. Um, I think there was always kind of a false narrative that, that Christensen was involved in those losses. He wasn't. Stanzi had the reins those two games, and, and it wasn't pretty. But uh, as the year progressed, that team got significantly better, and – Ricky Stanzi got significantly better. And so, you know, once we made the decision to go with Stanzi, there were some, some growing pains there. But, you know, down the stretch, we won six out of our last seven that year and, and ended the year, you know, very, very positively. And it's a team that's looked unfavorably in, in general. But, uh, again, early in the year, the decision to kind of dabble in both quarterbacks I don't think was a good one, and I think it probably delayed – Stanzi's growth by a few weeks, and, and you're probably looking at maybe a, a team that gets one or two more victories if you go with Stanzi from the beginning. I think that's fair. 2014, the great debate, C.J. Beathard and Jake Rudock. Well, this one, was, it's just a weird one, and, and you know it's relatively fresh in everybody's mind, so we won't dig into it too deep. But you know, Rudock basically started all year long. The only reason Beathard started a game was at Purdue because Rudock had uh, been injured. Uh, he played okay. Beathard did at Purdue, 17 to 37. So it wasn't like he, uh, you know, took the job and ran with it. But by the end of the year, as as we all know, things were just ugly. The team played bad down the stretch. We went and got our butts kicked in the uh, the debacle in Jacksonville um, in the Gator Bowl or whatever they call it now, um, Pax Later Bowl, I believe. Yes. Um, but it was also an awkward situation where C.J. Beathard's dad had kind of gotten involved, and, and it was just ugly. So I think 2014 is pretty much the uh, the guidebook of how not to handle a quarterback controversy. So, again, I hope uh, I hope we don't uh, – you know, there were some quotes that that boy sent me about you know going into that bowl game. We announced in advance they're both going to play in the first quarter, they're both going to play in the second quarter – you know, it was just an awkward, awkward situation, and then obviously we got we got stomped by Tennessee. So that didn't help. So, um, you know, if you want to look at a, a way not to handle a quarterback controversy, that would be it. So, hopefully, this coaching staff has learned from their mistakes and they're ready to hand the keys to Padilla and let him uh, let him sink or swim down the stretch here. Well, and I think it goes to show you to anybody that anticipates this is going to be smooth sailing that he's going to go in there. He's the better quarterback. He's going to prove that, and it's going to be easy, just not the case. Look at these guys. It ultimately turned out to be guys that we revere and remember very well, but it's going to take a while. It's going to be – there's going to be some rough moments, and to think that these next three games are going to be easy and we're going to beat two of our rivals and and a brewing rivalry with Bielema over at Illinois and win these three games and Padilla is going to be great, more than likely it's probably not going to be the way this plays out. Well, we are going to beat Minnesota, Trent. Remember, oh. this, is pos- this is positive vibes only. So uh, you ready to turn the page and talk about uh, how badly 
Kirk Ferentz owns uh, Phil Fleck. Oh, I, I can't wait. You know, Phil Fleck is one of my least favorite people in college football. He's a phony. He's a pain in the butt. And I love that Iowa and Kirk Ferentz just doesn't seem to like him very much. And, and maybe more than that, don't seem to respect Phil Fleck all that much here. Gophers, anytime they take a step forward, it feels like there's two steps back with them, including last week putting six on the board against Illinois. So, yes, I revel in the time that we get to make fun of Phil Fleck. Well, Statboy Stat Boy got me this box score. We have played P.J. four times, and when you look at the big picture of them, they look like some relatively close games. But you ready to, to break it down and talk about just how, how bad we really kicked their butts each year? Yes, yes, yes. So let's start 2017, 17-10 to game, but we're up 14-0 to after three quarters. We jump on them right away and score with 12-37 to go in the first quarter, which you'll, you'll see is a theme here. So um, jump ahead to 2018, again, up 14 going into the fourth quarter, 38-24. Once again, we jump on them early. We score first with 8-49 to go in the first quarter. 2019, obviously a very well-known year because this was the uh, undefeated P.J. Flex season. Uh, the, the year he finally didn't have any excuses. He couldn't say his team was young or inexperienced or blah, blah, blah. They were favored, they were undefeated, and they came in and, and got their butts kicked in the first quarter. Again, up 14 by the half, scored with 11.26 to go in the first quarter. And then fast forward to last year, Trent, uh, a complete Complete stomping of a PJ and the, and, the, and the boys, up 35 to zero with 14 seconds to go in the game. Again, scored in the first 10 minutes, scored with 5:42 to go in the first quarter. So when you break it down, Trent, through four years, PJ Flex uh, boat rowers have never had a lead against Kirk Ferentz. They've never rushed for more than 3.5 yards of carry, and until we. Uh, we decided to throttle down. We outscored PJ's boys 107 to 30 in the in the, the first uh, two to three quarters of each game. So uh, we're looking at some complete butt kicking. So uh, again, positive vibes only, Trent. Uh, we're not losing to PJ and the boys on Saturday. All right, I love that positivity. I also love what I've seen out of their new offensive coordinator and Mike Sanford. That guy stinks. I uh, remember hearing. It was a national podcast this summer talking about just how inept he has been as a coordinator. And boy, uh, it's showing up. What happened to Tanner Morgan? That guy, from what he was two years ago today, and I understand, they don't got Bateman. They don't got the same compliment of receivers. I can't remember that kind of regression out of a quarterback in the college game. Uh, two years ago, I remember thinking just how ridiculously good he was that game. And he, he almost single-handedly brought them back. Yeah. And, and it wasn't because... Uh, I thought we played great defensively that game, but he put a couple balls in positions where, you know, only his guys can make plays. But yeah, he he has clearly regressed, and let's hope he uh, continues to regress on Saturday. So, you know, and, and honestly, Trent, the, the the stats go back even farther than PJ. We, we've dominated PJ, but uh, two quiz questions for you from Stat Boy: mm-hmm. How long has it been since the Gophers won in Kinnick Stadium? In Kinnick Stadium, I know it's a long losing streak. I want to say, oh, 2000? You're close, 1999. Okay. 1999, which was uh, Kirk's first year. Obviously, a terrible team, and they still, uh, they were, I think they were ranked actually when they played us late in the year. We they still were, yeah. 
Yeah, that was 25. a good good team, and, and Iowa. That was some part of the signs as they were starting to turn it around. Because yeah, that was a good Gopher team, and lost it by less than a touchdown. I want to say. Yeah, twenty-five, twenty-one, and we okay. had a chance late in that game too. So you know, it was you know, again, it was their last victory, and, and even then they struggled to do it. Second quiz question: When's the last time Minnesota beat an Iowa team with a winning record at Kinnick Stadium? <laughs> Well, of course, all right, so you go back to 99. I was up at the Roller Dome, I think it was 1992. They had to win to get to the Copper Bowl, which turned into the Insight.com Bowl, and on and on and on. Iowa lost that game, but that was in Minneapolis. A winning team was one of Hayden's early teams. Didn't he lose a stupid game at home, or were those always on the road against Minnesota? No, you're, you're correct. It was actually the Rose Bowl year. 1981, okay. we stubbed our toe. Middle of the year. It wasn't the end of the year, but uh, middle of the year, we stubbed our toe and lost 12-10 to 10 to the Gophers. 12-10. Uh, that's it. 40 years ago, Trent, was the last time they beat a, a Iowa team with a winning, winning record. Uh, they've only won in Kinnick uh, three times. since uh, 81, they won. 1989, they stomped us. Um to end the year, and that was a five and six team, mm-hmm. and then they won in '99, and that's it. So uh, the the odds are good, Trent. Uh, you combine uh, PJ's ineptitude, Kirk's hatred of PJ, plus uh, the Gophers' failures over the years. Uh, this, this seems like seems like an automatic victory on Saturday, correct? Oh boy, oh boy. I mean, how many jinxes can you throw on this game? You're crying out loud. Knock it off, Biz. Well, I'm, I'm I'm done trying to pretend that we're, we're jinxing the Hawks. They've got enough issues. They, again, <laughs> we're not going to talk about any of those issues, Trent. But uh, if they lose, it's not because I jinxed them. It's because of uh, many, many other issues that are going on. I'm I'm just trying to talk myself into this, Trent. Well, with that, we go from some football talk and making fun of that dork Phil Fleck to some basketball. Longwood tonight, nine o'clock tip-off. I'm going to guess you're going to be there, full front. Ready to go with Longwood in that 905 tip tonight? You're, I am actually. I don't know if I'll still be awake at that point. But <laughs> I'm at, my, my daughter, as you know, uh, loves loves basketball and uh, loves the Iowa women's team. So we're we're going to the women's game, and then the plan is uh, the rest of my family is heading home, and my dad and I are going to stick around nice. after a, a light nap in between games. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll 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 get to get to watch the the nightcap at 9 p.m. So. We'll see if I can stay awake for the whole game. But it sounds like it might be a remotely close game. I see we're only favored by 21 and a half, and that Longwood is not uh, a complete atrocity of a team. But uh, you know, 21 and a half seems low. It does. Uh, that's about what the Ken Palm number is. I, I anticipated that was going to be the number. I did my research last night on Longwood and returned two of their top three scores. Very guard oriented team. They got some guys that can fill it up from the outside. They were not good by any means last year. They were 12 and 17, but Justin Hill was their uh, top guy a year ago. He's back. He was a freshman last year. Wade, Deshaun Wade, a junior. They're not big, very guard-oriented, so should be a game where not just Rebracca plays well, but Keegan inside can do some things. Maybe see McCaffrey in the post a little bit more, those types of things. It's a game where points in the paint, that should be the calling card for Iowa tonight. And the way this team is built, kind of the way that they are, I think this is the kind of game that they should be able to eat. I'm laying the points tonight, Biz. I'm going with the Hawks, and I'm going to lay the 20-21. 
Well, I think you're right, Trent. I think you're on the right side because uh, I did a quick research on them also. And here's the list of teams that Longwood lost, lost to last year. VMI, Greensboro College, twice to Radford, twice to USC Upstate, Citadel, Presbyterian, and they ended their year with a conference uh, tournament loss to, to the our, one of our favorite teams, Trent, the, the mighty Hampton Pirates. <laughs> yes, what a great team they are. Yes, I love Hampton. So, yeah, we're not talking about a stellar Big South team making their way in here. They got some dudes. They They can... Play a little bit of defense. They're at least okay on that side in a couple of different metrics, at least from a year ago. Their three-point defense is actually really good last year. I think that's some of their quickness on the outside that they have. But overall, this should be a game that is an easy one, as really all first five games should be for Iowa this year. Longwood, UMKC, North Carolina Central, Alabama State, Western Michigan, Portland State, before they go to the ACC Big Ten Challenge and take on Virginia. Is your blood boiling to say in those names, Trent? I know, I know you're having a hard time holding back. <laughs> no, I, I'm fine with it, actually, this year. Now, do I wish that some of these teams were not ranked in the 300s at Ken Palm? Yeah, it'd be nice to have a team even you know, in the 150 range to see somebody at least with some type of a pulse. But with this team, with all the new guys out there, this is a year I'll probably complain, but I'm not complaining right now. How about that? Well, and... and- more evidence, Trent, that you're on the right side tonight. Fran's teams uh, have generally done well in openers. Stat Boy sent me more info. Uh, Fran's won his last 10 openers with an average victory of 28.9. He did lose his first year ever, um, 79-69, opener to uh, South Dakota State. But it wasn't as bad as the good old uh, Licklighters last year. We started 0-2 Licklighters last year. Um, against the mighty UTSA Roadrunners and against Duquesne. So uh, we've won 10 in a row. We've, we've won by almost 30. So uh, go ahead and mortgage the house against Mighty Longwood tonight. <laughs> that, that is Bisgard's advice, not me. Do not throw me into that boat. There is no such thing as a sure thing. It'll there probably no come down to whether uh, Josh Agundale can, can make a free throw in the last minute because uh, tw- I, I could see this being a uh, – 87-65 with a minute to go. I, I'm not a good not a good college basketball gambler to begin with, and usually uh, you know, these 21 and a half point spreads. Vegas Vegas usually uh, usually knows, so it's going to come down to whether the, the 12th man can uh, make a play. Well, I will uh, tell you a fun story from Friday. So, as I mentioned to you last week, uh, big group from Circus Sports as they're launching here in Iowa. They were in town and. Friday, doing the show, Mike Palm, who's kind of the second in charge. He's an Iowa guy. I was talking with him on the air, and we had Tom Cakert on later. And he said, hey, can you ask Mike if uh, they can put a lineup for the Iowa Slippery Rock game, exhibition game? I go over to Mike. I ask him. He makes a phone call to Vegas, puts the odd guys right on it. They had to call compliance in Nevada, make sure they were allowed to put up a college basketball exhibition line. They got the okay, and very quickly after that, they put the line out. Iowa minus 45 and a half. They took a... Uh, a top-level bet, volume bet on the highest limit that they had in the game. Moved it down to 45, and that's where it stood, and I was on the wrong side of it. I laid, I, I grabbed the 45 with a slippery rock on Friday night. I hope you didn't bet much, Trent. If you're not. betting on yeah. exhibition basketball games, it might be time to... Uh... It might be time to look into some assistance. Uh, yeah, just a little bit. Hey, it's all fun. That's what it's about. I do not dabble too deep into things. 
keep my head above water. That's what it's all about. All right, Biz, speaking of gambling and terrible picks, you ready to make some picks in football this week? I am. I was 2-1 last week. It wasn't that terrible. No, not at all. You uh, you continue to pile wins up there. You've battled up to Mount 500 now, 14-14-1. I uh, lost, and I lost, and I got a win. So I went 1-2, and two, so I'm still a couple games back from you. I got time to track you down, though, as we move to Iowa against Minnesota. Biz, after what you said here, I think I know where you're heading. Yeah, I feel like I have to at this point, Trent. It's a positive vibes only week, so uh, give me the Hawks. Begrudgingly taking yeah, Iowa. I didn't say that with a lot of confidence. No, not yeah. not at all. So you're going to lay the points. I have not looked this morning. Let's pull this up here. Go to. I actually kind of like the. I rarely say this, but I like the over in the Iowa game. Thirty-six and a half. Uh, I thought there was going to be at least. There's going to be more points in this game than people expect, but maybe I'm wrong. No, and that's the exact direction I was heading. I'm heading over in this game. I think this number is dipped too far. I think Iowa knows they're going to have to score a little bit more this week. Both teams have had issues, no doubt, offensively, but I I see some goofiness happening, special teams, turnovers, short fields, something like that. I'm with you. I'm going over in Iowa-Minnesota. Our game of the week, back to the SEC once again. Biz, what are we ever going to get off these SEC games as our national ones? But that's where we are, Texas A&M Ole Miss. Well, I, I've been doing pretty good on them, so we should stick with them. So, <laughs> uh, Give me Ole Miss. Uh, same logic I had last week. I didn't love Texas A&M, but give me, give me the home team. Uh, as, as I mentioned last week with Auburn, SEC is just an absolute grind. And mm-hmm. A&M has, has had to grind it out. I, Quarterback injuries, they don't have any offense. Ole Miss always seems to be a different team at home. It'll be a wacky game. I never like uh, putting any trust in Lane Kiffin, but uh, Ole Miss is getting points at home, so uh, give me the fighting Kiffins. I'm on the other side. I like A&M. think they're figuring things out in that defense, playing at a really high level. Also concerned about Matt Corral, just how banged up he has looked here recently. So I'll lay the two and a half. And I will take the Aggies. We wrap it up every week with our favorite bet of the week. And you let down Arkansas Alley, even though they got the win, they didn't get the cover last week. Yeah, I don't feel like I let her down too bad. They, they still got a win. So it's, uh, you know, I, I watched a little bit of that game. And uh, Arkansas had plenty of chances to cover, and they, they d- didn't happen. So, uh, you know, it was, I, I jinxed them by saying I think I, I was – had never lost in Arkansas lock of the week. So I, I apologize to Arkansas Alley, but at least I didn't I, I didn't completely jinx them. They still pulled out a W. That is correct. You did not completely jinx them. What do you got this week, your lock of the week? Well, I hope I completely jinx my lock of the week this week because give me the Badgers minus 24 against Northwestern. So if this wasn't a positive vibes only week, Trent, I would mention that Northwestern is a terrible football team, and uh, we should have beat them by more than five. But uh, anybody that watched that game could see Northwestern is, is not a good football team, and they are especially not geared to to uh, play a Wisconsin team that is running on uh, all cylinders right now. So let's hope I com- somehow miraculously completely jinx the Badgers and. Uh, but uh, I don't see it happening. So give me Wisconsin minus 24. Laying the big number and taking Bucky with the lock of the week. For me, uh, I'm still kind of scrolling through. I, I got a list of four or five games that I had circled early in the week, and I still don't love anything. There, there's nothing that I'm over. In fact, one of them, I'll go to the well this week. 
Give me Arkansas. I'll lay the the two and a half with the Razorbacks this week. LSU had opportunities last week against Alabama, of course. Ultimately did not get it done. Now what's left in the tank for LSU? I'm going to go that direction. Give me Arkansas. Minus two and a half on the road in Baton Rouge. Man, Arkansas, Arkansas strikes again. She makes an appearance on the show. Biz, we made our picks. We tried to get some wins, and with it, we get out of here with this. It's time once again for Biz's Beat. Hey, kids, gather around for Biz's Beat of the Day. Okay, here's Biz's Beat of the Day. Trump business beat this week is just the whole Scott Frost debacle. He is the gift that just keeps on giving to uh, to Iowa fans. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think Nebraska is making the wrong call keeping him, but uh, the way they go about it is just hilarious to me. Uh, you know, first they come across it basically. It sounds like he had to beg to keep his job. He, he had to uh, agree to reduce his pay, agree to reduce his buyout and basically throw his entire offensive staff uh, under the bus like an hour after uh, they announced he's keeping him. And then they come out and basically uh, confirm that the only reason he's really keeping his job is because uh, he's, he, he's a Nebraskan through and through, and uh, he really wants, to, uh, really wants to succeed at Nebraska, which uh, why they felt the need to come out and say those types of things, I, I just don't understand it, but uh, I certainly enjoy it. So. Nebraska football is, is the gift that keeps on giving. They, they continue to be a laughing stock. I, I hope they uh, that continues at least for another uh, you know uh, uh, another three weeks here. So uh, let's hope they don't write the ship until at least after uh, November 26th. Yeah, plenty of Schadenfreude. It's been fun to watch, and uh, I'm with you. You sent that article yesterday from one of the Nebraska newspapers last night. I, I just had I was smiling ear to ear reading through that thing. It's baffling in a way, but also. Where else would they turn? I, I kind of understand it. They have not been good in in the margins, if you will, those moments that actually matter in college football and just football in general in winning tight games. But, hey, keep going to the well. Maybe it'll work. It probably won't. And uh, we'll be here to watch it. Let's hope it uh, turns in. We'll put them into a salty offseason when we get there on Black Friday here in a couple of weeks. But before that, time to beat the Gophers, Biz. Yeah, time to uh, keep keep Floyd home and also uh, return a Floyd of Boner as well. It's where it's where Floyd of Boner should be. Um, you combine Floyd of Rosedale and Floyd of Boner all in one day. It doesn't get much better than that, Trent. Yes, for our listeners, uh, Floyd of Boner. It is bright early Saturday morning to celebrate. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Going to be a long couple of days. I'll be up in Cedar Falls calling both semifinals and 5A on Friday, and then leading uh, back home, then back over to Iowa City. But I'll tell you what, nothing better than getting together, big group of people that we've known for such a long time. Uh, Boner was our, our roommate in Iowa City. He is a character, and we commemorate him with a tournament every single year with trinkets and fun and, and drinks and all the things that, well, we normally do. You just get a bracket that goes along with it, an official bracket with a bracket of opportunity. Yeah, but it looks uh, the weather looks uh, slightly different than it is outside today, Trent. It's going to be cold and windy, and uh, wouldn't want it any other way for Florida Boner tournament. Boner would have wanted it that way. Biz, I'll see you on Saturday morning. We'll talk then. All right, go Hawks.